0: So we're going to, this morning, we're going to finish our series on the upside down kingdom. And so we've been going through the last five weeks, uh, the upside, upside down kingdom. Uh, you know, God's kingdom is countercultural, it's, it's not normal like what we see here in the culture that we live in. But really, it's the, the right side up. That. That's what God's kingdom is. And I just want to finish it off uh, today. It's something that God's been talking to me about the last couple of months, and I just want to share it with you guys. And maybe you've already heard me talk about this a lot. And other leaders have uh, have been catching up on Mondays and praying, and, and I've been talking about this. Um, but I just want to start uh, with prayer, and then we'll get into the message. Father, I just thank you that we can come, that we can come at Your feet and listen. And, and I just pray, Father, that we just have a heart to listen and have a heart to uh, wanting to know you and become more like you, uh, Father. So I just pray that this morning that you would speak to us, Holy Spirit. We know you're here. We know that you're speaking to us. And so I just pray that we would come around you and listen in your name. Amen. Amen. Amara once asked Leonard Bernstein, who was a celebrated orchestra um, conductor, was What is the hardest instrument to play? And he replied without hesitation, he said this, second fiddle. I can always get plenty of first violinists, but to find one who plays second violin with as much enthusiasm or second French horn or second flute, now that's a problem. And yet if no one plays second, we have no harmony. We live in a culture that is so focused on accomplishments, so focused on being out the front. And because of this, no one wants to play second fiddle. I've been to many leadership conferences, both Christian and non-Christian, and you hear motivational speakers ask the question, what legacy are you leaving They ask the question, what will people be saying at your funeral, thinking that this will motivate us to live a significant life? We are inundated with books, podcasts, blogs, telling us three steps or six principles on how to be better leaders, better husbands, better fathers, better mothers, better pastors. And we do this in the hope that will unlock something within us and it'll lead us to a path of greatness. However, in spite of all our efforts and the access to knowledge, I'm seeing mentally and spiritually tired Christians. Now maybe something has been lost in our Christian walk. Maybe our culture has influenced how we live the Christian life maybe we focus too much on being leaders and doing that, that we have lost the art of what it really means to be a Christian. When we look in bookshops, Christian and secular, there are huge sections dedicated to leading, but I've never seen one dedicated to following. Have you? Yet following is what we are called to be as believers. As soon as I say following, I think some of you have a negative response. There seems to be some sort of assumption that following equals to passivity, being passive. And people only think of two extremes, follow the hurt or just follow orders. I've even seen a book titled that says Real Leaders Don't Follow. I think this is a huge problem. And I believe we were all born to be followers. In fact, scientists say our brains were made to follow. We have a mirror system that imitates other people without realising it. And we all follow something or someone. The way we act, talk, and even think have been all learnt by imitating. Psychologists say that by the time we are seven to nine years old, we have built a value system by learning from others, learning from our parents. Why? Because we were born to follow. We were born to imitate. And for some reason, there is this resistance towards following. And maybe this resistance is causing us to become tired because we are going against the make of why we were created, to be followers. People don't want to be influenced. They want to be the influencer. Regardless of this fact, this is what... uh, of this fact, is that we are all influenced by something whether it's the newspaper you pick up in the morning, whether it's the television show you watch, your social media friends or family, the problem isn't influence. The problem is who is influencing you. Who are you imitating? Who are you following? So in the upside-down kingdom, followers is exactly what we are called to be. This was the primary word to explain Jesus' disciples. And, and the word disciple means follow. And Jesus said, follow me 13 times in the Gospels. And I'll just mention a few here. In Matthew 4, he says to Peter and Andrew, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus called James and John, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Matthew 9 says, Jesus called Matthew, follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. And the disciples at that time understood what following meant. A follower in Jesus' time would sit at the master's feet and hang on every word to then go and mimic what they did. It's the same way that rabbis have followers, and these followers went everywhere. The, the rabbi went. and Anne Spangler award-winning writer said this: to follow a rabbi involved a literal kind of following in which disciples often traveled with, lived with and imitated their rabbis. Learning not only from what they said but what they did, from their reactions to everyday life as well as from ma- from the manner in which they lived. this approach to teaching is much more like a traditional apprenticeship than a modern classroom. And I think as Christians, we have made Christianity a modern classroom. And so somewhere we've lost this art, and we don't think, maybe we don't think it's about following anymore. Maybe we think that the disciples somewhere had graduated from following to leading. Uh, Maybe this is what's going on. You know, Jesus has ascended. He's no longer with us. He's at the right hand of the Father. That's what he said. And so we think, okay, now disciples took that and said, now we're going and I'm going to lead. But I don't see anywhere in Scripture where they had changed their name. It still says they were disciples. It still says that they were followers. Acts 9.26, when Paul came to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, he tried to join disciples, the disciples, the followers. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that Paul... Was really a follower a disciple they remained followers of jesus but if jesus is no longer with us here in flesh who are we to follow how can we imitate jesus when he when we can't actually walk next to him and talk with him you know how how do you know when We can't see Jesus' expressions just on a written page. We can't see how he spoke and how he loved. And we forget that Jesus didn't just give us the Bible to imitate. He also gave us someone just like him. That's what Jesus said in John 14. I will send you the advocate who is just like me. Who is it? Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who led Jesus into the desert. Luke 4. The same Holy Spirit who led the disciples in Acts. Acts 28.29 says the Spirit told Philip, Go to the chariot and stay near it. Acts 13, 2-4. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Cilicia and sailed from their disciples. Acts 16, verse 6, and I'm going to keep going. Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of to and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. See, when we decide to follow Christ, he gives us the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 verse 10, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Romans 8 verse 9, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God is in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. Because God, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. And it's through this Holy Spirit we become more like Christ. The more we learn to how to listen and follow the Holy Spirit, the more we become like Christ. But how do we follow someone that we cannot see? How do we know it's the Spirit leading us? And so I want to share with you this morning some things that I believe is going to help us as the church to continue to be the followers that we were made to be. Continue to follow Christ. And as we follow Christ, the Holy Spirit will transform us to make us more like Jesus. And I'm not going to go into too much depth. I know that some of our church have already heard me talk about certain things. Uh, but there are four things that are important keys on how to be a follower of the Holy Spirit and important for us as we follow Jesus. Jesus. And one of those things, followers of Christ know how Holy Spirit communicates. Know how Holy Spirit communicates. See, I think within the church there's been something lost. Uh, we, we think maybe some believe that the Holy Spirit no longer communicates with us. Maybe we can send that all the way back to the Reformation where Martin Luther said that the Spirit only speaks through Scripture. I want to encourage you that the Holy Spirit has been communicating the same way he's been communicating to the disciples. He has not changed. And and so maybe the way that we have just got it wrong is we have the wrong expectation about the Holy Spirit and how he communicates. Um, And I know I've preached on this early years, but I just want to go back over those points and remind us that the Holy Spirit communicates to us through thoughts. Through thoughts. It says that the Holy Spirit is like a river flowing from the heart. And when it comes from the heart, it gives us thoughts. Now, this is where I think the church is going, we hear people get up and go, I just hear the Holy Spirit speak so clearly to me. And I understand why well, the church gets confused because then, and wondering, well, I can't hear him that clearly. I don't hear him in a louder little voice. The Holy Spirit speaks to our thoughts and this is something I think as a church we can get better at equipping the church on how to hear the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit communicates to our thoughts but it's not our thoughts. They're godly thoughts. Don't mishear me. Not all thoughts are the Holy Spirit's thoughts. They can be the enemy's thoughts. And it can, for some, feel like a small, still voice. Within your thoughts, but I don't see many times in Scripture where I see the Holy Spirit speaking a loud audible voice. I don't see it. I I think if it is, and I know even Tony Harrison said this to us, it's often because the Holy Spirit is yelling to get our attention. You see, with Paul, no one else heard the voice. Only Paul heard, and so we see that the Holy Spirit doesn't communicate externally. God is God, he can do that, I'll tell you he can't. But most of the time we see the patterns of scriptures the Holy Spirit communicates internally. He communicates through our thoughts. The Holy Spirit communicates through visions and dreams. Again, we've talked about this, how the Reformation has affected how the Western Church operates with visions and dreams. Because Martin Luther decided that God no longer speaks through visions and dreams even though he had visions and dreams himself. He was so dedicated to the Reformation. But I believe that God has continually spoke the same way from the beginning of time. Look through the whole Old Testament. How did the Holy Spirit communicate? Visions and dreams. The prophets, this was a vision. This was a dream. And then we see in Acts, we see 19 Visions. Why? Why would God communicate through visions and dreams? Because a picture means more than a word. It lasts. It sticks in our heads. I can tell you right now when I've had prophetic words and someone shared a vision with me, that vision sticks with me for years. But when I've had words, I can't remember them. And this is how God often wants to communicate is through visions and dreams. And, and I, just, I just can't get over the fact, why would God stop communicating this way? This is what he's done throughout the whole of Scripture. Why would he all of a sudden stop? And so we know the Holy Spirit will communicate through visions and dreams. We also know the Holy Spirit communicates through Scripture. I'm not going to go too far the other way. Like Martin Luther, often as human nature, we wouldn't go so far, but he still communicates through Scripture, he does, this is God's word. This is how God communicates. And he, he communicates through community. He will use those within the church to communicate to you, especially when you feel distant, when you don't hear the Holy Spirit for yourself. And so you might be wondering why don't I hear the Holy Spirit? Why aren't I? Why are some within our church that can hear it so clearly and I can't? Well, the first question I ask: Do you have the right heart posture? Are you sitting and and are you sitting and going? Holy Spirit, I want to know you. Remember, Holy Spirit is a person. We have our hearts set on Him and it's not got nothing to do with intellect. It's all got to do with the heart. You don't need to go and do a four-year theology degree to hear from the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't get me wrong. That can be good to know the character of God and how He operates. But you don't need the intellect. To know how the Holy Spirit communicates. Do we have ears to hear? As Jesus said. Those that really want to understand God would stay behind after Jesus would share a parable. This is when he said, do, do you have ears to hear? Do you have a hard posture to come and understand what I'm trying to communicate? Because many walked away from Jesus and not understanding. And instead of trying to understand, they just walked away. Are you that person that just sits there and goes, I don't get it, I'm gone. I walk out. Or do you have a hard posture to understand, do we live by faith or fear? I think fear stops us from hearing the Holy Spirit. Jesus says you cannot have fear and faith. And faith is hearing the Holy Spirit and putting it into action. That's what faith is. Faith is a verb, it's a doing word. And so when we hear what Holy Spirit communicates, we put it into action. And that's the faith that we see. We've talked about that as well only uh, in the ear. So followers of Christ know how Holy Spirit communicates. Followers of Christ know and trust Scripture. Now the reason I say this, I've seen many have a zeal for the Holy Spirit and don't think they need to read Scripture. And when we go too far the other way, I've seen many have a heart and, and, and wanting to you know read scripture and have this knowledge, but they don't have the Holy Spirit. They both go hand in hand. The Word and Spirit are, are together, and for scripture the uh, scripture and Spirit don't contradict each other. You know, scripture helps us know the character of God, his patterns, and how he works and how he operates, and we can see that. and And it should be the way we walk with the Spirit. It should represent and reflect Christ. What we see in Scripture. You know, and I often say that we don't, we don't, when we get prophetic words, we don't need to line it up with the written word. As so that's often doctor we have been taught. We need to write it, we need to line it up with the patterns of scripture. Because for, for example, we know that Acts, uh, visions, we can't really sometimes line it up with scripture. But what we do know is that Scripture tells us that we can line it up. We know that they have visions themselves. You know, we can't line up if someone, you know, God tells you to go to Sydney. I'm sorry, the Bible doesn't talk about Sydney. But what we do know is that the Spirit had told Paul to go to certain cities. So we know through the patterns of Scripture and we know through the character of God that he asks us to move to certain cities sometimes. And so we line it up with the scripture and the way that God's character is. I've seen many people use scripture prophetically and use it in the wrong context for their own benefit. And so sometimes trying to use it, you can actually use scripture for the wrong ways. So followers of Christ know and trust scripture. Followers of Christ have community to imitate and discern. Followers of Christ have community to imitate and discern. Paul says, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And how does Paul imitate? Through the following and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And often, and we forget this because in the Western world, we, we often view Christianity as an individual thing, but in the, in the church, this is a the collective, they would walk together. Paul did not walk by himself. Don't put that into scripture. Don't put it there that you think that these disciples were doing things by themselves. They weren't they were walking in large groups. They were going to cities in large groups. And, and the, the reason why this is important is because then they could imitate each other. They could walk with each other. You know, Paul spent time with the disciples. Paul walked with Barnabas. And we see it over time, we see that it says Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas was above Paul. And as we saw Paul, he eventually started to grow, and then we see Paul, St Paul before Barnabas, which showed that Paul started to be a a recognised leader over Barnabas. But it's important to understand that this idea that I can do the Christian walk in that church, that's not true. That's an individualistic way to look at Christianity. You're looking in your own view, whereas actually we were always made to come together as the church so that we could walk together, so we could imitate each other. You know, I see people within our church that I want to imitate, because I just see Christ in their life. I see the encouragement they give to people. I see the generosity they have, and I can tell you now, I wouldn't be where I am without those people within the church. I've reflected on my own, I'm going, wow, I'm not that generous. Wow, I need to learn how to be more encouraging. And it's because of the people within the church that they reflect cross that I've come and said, you know what, that's what I want to be. That's Jesus. That's how Jesus would be. And and I just want to encourage you, who, who are you looking at? And I'm not talking about the negatives. I think we all have holes in our journey. I know I have holes. I'm talking about the Christ showing through people. Who are you reflecting who are you looking at? Who is the people that you're walking with? And I want to encourage you the people that are helping you in your journey the challenging you and how you walk your faith. Because I know for me, again, that I wouldn't be where I am if people didn't challenge the things that weren't Christ-like in my journey. And that's why we need community. I, I truly believe we cannot fully mature in Christ without church without the church. The last one is followers of Christ rest in Him and not in their works. Followers of Christ rest in Him and not in their works. We are a society that is folks focused on doing. And I think we have lost the art of resting in Christ. And we think doing is how we find rest. Do these three steps. Or these six things. You need to read your Bible more. You need to pray more. You need to serve more. And please don't missteen me. These, these are good things from an overflowing heart. But following is not doing more. And assuming, expecting that it will bring us closer to the Holy Spirit. We need to seek after the Holy Spirit instead of seeking to fix our sin our friends or our problems you know we put in strategies and programs and they can be helpful at times but the first point of call should always to automatically draw to the Holy Spirit to yield to His leading why is this important that we not, we are known as followers because following Christ takes our eyes off ourselves and And the Holy Spirit, when we start to follow Him, we're taking our eyes off ourselves. We're taking our eyes off the doing. And we are responding by listening. And then we listen and then we put into action the faith that the Holy Spirit communicates with us. See, people that focus on leading and doing, they want to be noticed. They want people to see them, they want to be recognized. But what I love about followers, they give their leaders the glory. They give the Holy Spirit the glory. Following requires humility. It means we don't have to be the master of all questions. You know, I used to be that person. I used to be that one that wanted to be noticed. I wanted to be significant. I wanted people to celebrate me. And what I've learned in my journey this is not about me. The world is not about me. And I, I, I've been impacted uh, by Cory Ten Boone's book, The Hiding Place. And her auntie, Yam, was told that she was going to die. And the family decided they would tell her all the good things she had done for the kingdom. She was a believer. And this is what Tante Yan said to her family. Empty, empty, she choked at the last through her tears. How can we bring anything to God? How does He care for our little tricks and trinkets? And then, as we listened in disbelief, she lowered her hands and, with tears coursing down her face, whispered Dear Jesus, I thank you that we must come with empty hands. I thank you that you have done all all, all on the cross and that we need in life or death is to be sure of this. Why do we spend our whole life trying to be significant? Why do we spend our whole life trying to be noticed? I want to be frank with you. In a hundred years time as harsh as this sounds, you'll be forgotten by the world. You will. Yes, maybe there's one Billy Graham that stands out. But one thing I don't want the world to forget is Christ. I don't want them to forget who Jesus is. They can forget who Kate is. But I don't want them to go away going, we don't know Jesus. And unfortunately we've seen in many, many countries we've seen in the Middle East where people do not know Jesus. I just want to remind you that The Middle East, where Jesus was first started his ministry? Yet people do not know him. Maybe we become more about making ourselves together than we know Jesus. See, following means giving up yourself. Your sinful desires, practices which damage our relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's what Jesus says, deny yourselves, take up your cross. Because following Christ is about giving up. It's about letting go. But I want to encourage you, that doesn't mean you lose. That means you win. You, You receive the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit, you receive the gifts that He wants to give you. He's created you to be a follower of Him. That's why we are created. That's why we were created to be followers, because we were created to be sons and daughters of the Father. And I can tell you now, you will never find satisfaction without that, knowing that God is the only way that you will feel significant. God is the only way that you will feel joy, love, the world will never find. And so I just want to encourage you, what are you giving up today to follow Christ? What are you letting go of? So that Jesus can be known. And Jesus will not just be someone that the world will know today and someone that the world will know tomorrow and the next day and jesus people are going to know him in the next generation and the next generation and in 100 200 years that this world will know jesus because we decided to let go of our earthly things that's the person i want to be i want to be tantayana who comes and says god i come into this world with nothing and i leave this world with nothing but I come with Christ. Amen? Okay. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the hearts that want to follow you. Father, I just thank you that we, we have people here that are just dedicated to you, that have given up everything for you. I thank you for those that have given up across our lifetime to make you known. I pray that we are a church that will make you known that will make you known to the ends of the earth But we don't care about our image. We don't care about who we are. We, we, I just pray, Father, that we care about you, who you are. And I pray, Lord, that as we go out into our workplace, as we go out to our friends, to, as we go out to our family, that people see us as followers of you. They will know that we have dedicated our life to you. And I want to pray for those that don't know you, that haven't given up their life for you. It's not too late. It's never too late for you, Father. And I just to pray for those that are just sitting here this morning that have been trying to make the world notice them. Show them that you've already noticed them. Show them that you've already known every single detail about their life, that they are already significant in you. They're already loved you. And I just pray, Father, that that will just come to you and that's where we'll find our joy, our hope, our peace, our rest. In Jesus' name, amen.